Welcome to the podcast for the Unitarian Universalist Society of Geneva. UUSG is an inclusive community, one that draws wisdom from all the world's religions, balanced with the insights of modern science. We seek to build a diverse, beloved community within our virtual walls and hope to inspire and accompany one another as we act for peace and justice in our larger world. The Reverend Scott Hall is a minister in the UU tradition. Coming from a career in information technology, Reverend Scott attended seminary to pursue lifelong interests in what he calls life's big questions. He joined UUSG as the settled minister in 2020. The Dungeon Master is an older man with a round face and round glasses and a wispy beard. His smile is small as if he has a secret, but it widens when you sit down at the table. In front of you are papers. Some are hand-drawn maps, lines on graphing paper. Others are sheets with names and numbers scrawled on them. There are a few books next to the DM. In the middle of the table are pencils and a pile of dice. The dice are unfamiliar, There are some that look like the regular six-sided dice you use in a board game like Parcheesi, but there are others, little pyramids with only four sides, more complicated ones with eight, 12, and even 20 sides. And they're all done in playful colors, red, green, purple, and mixed. I've never played before, you say, as you settle into the seat. No problem, says the DM. First thing to do is to create your character. Character, you ask. Yes, the character that you're going to play in the game, your persona, your avatar, the you that's going to be in the game. And you have lots of options. You can be a human being just like you are now. Or maybe you'd rather be a dwarf like Gimli from Lord of the Rings or a halfling like Samwise, or an elf like Legolas. Did the characters have to be male? No, the DM chuckles. Absolutely not. That's all up to you. But once you've made that choice, we can start building out your character. We'll roll some dice. He hands some to you. And those numbers will tell us how strong your character is, how smart, how healthy, how charming. Then we're going to have to decide what you're good at. Stealing things, stabbing things, singing things, stuff like that. Then after that, we're going to go shopping. You can buy gear, armor, weapons, tools. And then when you're ready, it'll get interesting. With his help, You roll, scribble, and write. And a short time later, you are ready. And then the DM begins to speak. He says, The tavern is set back from the road a bit, the light glinting through the windows. Inside, you hear many voices singing. Badly, unfortunately, but they're clearly into it. As you open the door, the smells of hot food and warm bodies pour over you. The song is in full swing. Near the fire, there are two bards. One has a lute 
and the other is dancing and leading the singing. Around them are a dozen or so people laughing and clapping. None of them look at you as you enter the room. The bartender, however, does, raising a hand in a friendly greeting. This looks like a good place. You've come here because of, of a message you received a month ago from an old family friend, someone you have called uncle your entire life. In the, uncle, in the letter, your uncle was asking for help and asked to meet you here in this tavern on this night. The DM pauses and asks you, what would you like to do? I don't know, you say. Um, do I see my uncle anywhere? The DM says, you look across the faces of the people in the tavern. None of the singers around the fire are your uncle, but there are some others in the tavern sitting around their tables. Some are wearing cloaks with the hoods pulled up, so it's hard to see their faces. You tell the DM, I go ask the bartender if my uncle is here. The DM nods approvingly and hands you a large 20-sided dice. Roll that to see how the bartender responds. You do so. The DM makes a note, then he says, the bartender, a short and somewhat square-shaped woman, obviously a dwarf from the Hill Clans, strokes her full beard thoughtfully, but shrugs. Honestly, stranger, I don't know this Alaric you speak of. A bunch of odd folk have been through. Maybe you should talk to Anna. She seems to know everyone here. That's her over there. Here, if you're headed that way, take her this. Maybe she'll talk to you. She hands you a rather large mug filled with foamy beer. The DM says, Anna is tall and seems built out of old rope with scars on her arms and gray in her tightly bound hair. She raises her eyebrow at you as you hand her the beer, but she takes it with a nod. With the lines around her mouth, you have a feeling that she laughs a lot. Who are you? Anna asks. The DM looks at you expectantly. Um... I tell the woman my name, you say to the DM, and I ask her about my uncle Alaric. The DM says, Anna seems startled when you mention that name. Your, your uncle? She says, this day is just getting weirder and weirder. She takes a long drink and continues. You are the third person to ask after Alaric today. She pauses and cocks her head as if thinking, then stands suddenly and says, well, that can't be good. Hey, can you use that thing? She points to the sword at your side. Why do you ask, you say? The DM says, just then the door bangs open and a half dozen hard-looking men and women push into the room. One steps forward and shouts, where's that Come, Alaric the Red. The DM smiles, his small secret smile, and hands you a large 20-sided die again. 
It's time to figure out who gets to go first. He nods at the die. Roll for initiative. Roll for initiative. I think I was 11 when someone first said that to me. That was the year I broke my leg. The femur, you know, the thickest bone in your body. I did it while I was playing hide and seek. And as the last one to be found, it was my job to rush back to the jail to free all of my imprisoned compatriots. But on my way back, I was spotted. I began running. And there was just no way they were going to catch me. I was like the wind. Whoosh. My plan was to loop through a neighbor's yard, hop the fence, and reach the jail. I made the backyard. My pursuers hot on my tail. I was totally going to make it. I was going to be a hero. I remember looking over my shoulder to see exactly how far ahead I was, and that's when I hit the picnic table. It was one of those solid ones with the benches attached. Here's the short form of the story. The ambulance arrived. My parents had to leave a church dinner. I got put into traction, and I ended up missing all of sixth grade. True story. Looking back, I'm reminded of the many gifts I received during this time, what became a time of forced separation from my friends and community. You may be hearing echoes. One uh, time, one of the gifts that I received uh, during this time was a heavily used and somewhat battered set of books written by the late Gary Gygax. The Monster Manual, The Player's Handbook, The Dungeon Master's Guide. With these three books, my whole universe, my whole conception of universe changed. This was Dungeons and Dragons, and that was 1981, 40 years ago. For those of you that have never played, the idea is really simple, as we talked about early at the beginning, right? In these three books, the game creators set out rules by which players can explore worlds of pure imagination, fantasy worlds, worlds that have been created just for the joy of adventure. In these worlds, players can become just about anything they want. You can be a human being, sure, but you could also be something alien, like a dwarf, an elf, or a halfling. And yeah, all of that gets explained. But you also have a choice about what your calling is too, right? What you want to be, whether you want to be a soldier, a thief, or a priest, or something else. The personality of your character could likewise be whatever you wanted. And this is where things get kind of really interesting. You could be a rule follower or a rule breaker. You could be a liar or a compulsive truth teller. You could show wisdom and kindness, or, as in my case, a distinct lack of survival instinct. All you needed to play were the rules, some dice, paper, and pencils. No computer screens of any kind were required. What happens next would depend entirely on the dungeon master. The DM is the guy, the narrator, the one who lays out the adventure for you, presents you with the scenes and guides you through them. In the end, there were no winners, merely survivors, and the survivors were rewarded with more adventures or the opportunity to start over and create another would-be hero. 
in a game, your decisions, your choices, those change the plot. You're the powers with you. Will you steal the dragon's gold? Will the king betray you to his enemies? Will the mysterious stranger provide clues to success or lead you to doom? Who knows? Make a choice. Roll the die and see what happens next. Trapped in my room in traction, my parents had no idea what to do with me. I think me asking for books was a relief. At my request, my mom went to the library and brought home cartloads of books on myth, legend, folklore, history, military strategy. In those months, I made maps of worlds that never were. I wrote stories of unlikely places and fantastical people, epics of love, betrayal, hope and triumph, treasure and terrors, traps and treachery. I became a dungeon master. And into my worlds of wonder, I created opportunities for hope and horror, murder and mayhem, the creation of new legends and the exaltation of new gods. All in all, it was a pretty good year. And the fruit from that tree included what has become a lifelong fascination with history and politics, with myth and culture, with books and storytelling. D&D quite simply changed my life. I am not alone in this, just in case you were wondering. Don't lie, I know you're wondering. This month, Dungeons and Dragons is celebrating its 47th year. It is one of the best known and best selling games of all time. The game is a favorite of people like The Rock, Drew Barrymore, Elon Musk, Patton Oswalt, Vin Diesel, Deborah Ann Wall, Steven Spielberg, Tim Duncan, Kurt Schilling, Ta-Nehisi Coates, Stephen Colbert, Marilyn Manson, Anderson Cooper, John Favreau, and countless others. D&D has made cameos in movies like E.T. and TV shows like Freaks and Geeks, Stranger Things, and Big Bang Theory. And here's the fun bit and something my geeky younger self would have found just unbelievable. D&D today has never been more popular. There are over 40 million players all over the world. And yes, almost half the number of players are reportedly other than cis male. I want to say this to you today and to you specifically because the game does still have challenges. Like much of popular culture since the Me Too and Black Lives Matter movements, D&D has come under scrutiny for sexist and racist tropes, for the propagation of harmful identity stereotypes and making caricatures of indigenous and Western cultures. These critiques you can read about in the news, these are legit. Happily, however, the, the company is paying attention and has promised that new material will be more inclusive and more expansive. And I think that's pretty cool. The game was created by two Midwesterners, Gary Gygax and a man named Dave Arneson. 
right from the beginning, these two were pretty sure they had something special. So hoping to cash in, they took their new idea to a big gaming company and were turned down. Gygax said this was because they didn't understand a game with no winners and losers that just went on and on. In the end, Gygax had to do it himself. He typed out the 150-page rulebook on his own typewriter, had a 1,000 copies made, and then stored them in his basement in the hopes that he could sell them. The rules were 10 bucks. The dice cost 350 There was no marketing budget. Success depended solely on word of mouth. They sold out in 10 months. The second press run was double the size, and they sold out of that one, too. More detailed rules were followed by prepackaged adventures, all of which were wildly popular. D&D became a runaway hit. The game was not universally loved. One group launched a high-profile campaign claiming that D&D was, quote, a fantasy role-playing game which uses demonology, witchcraft, voodoo, murder, rape, blasphemy, blasphemy, suicide, assassination, insanity, sex perversion, homosexuality, prostitution, satanic rituals, gambling, barbarism, cannibalism, sadism, desecration, demon summoning, necromancy, divination, and other teachings. And yes, that was one press release. With that kind of word of mouth, you might say that the sales of the game stayed brisk. Two things. First, I should probably mention that causal links from D&D to mental illness have been studied by the American Association of Suicidology, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, and Health and Welfare Canada. No links have ever been found. On the contrary, scientists have found that role-playing games like D&D have rather striking benefits. Problem-solving, critical thinking, improv, team-building, these life skills are routinely cultivated in these games. More role-playing games have been used clinically to address anxiety, depression, and even dissociative disorders. Okay, second thing, in my gaming experience, demon summoning was never much of a thing, but I have been part of several games where demon banishing was a real problem, one that took coordination and collaboration from from some very clever and very brave friends. Just a public service announcement, the Demogorgon is not your friend and does not have your best interests at heart, no matter what it tries to promise you, you can thank me later, end of PSA. Today, my kids play D&D. The rules are newer. The books are much fancier. But the sense of adventure is the same. And as a parent who is concerned about screen time, at least I was before the pandemic, I find it bizarre and wonderful that video games to my kids includes this game, a game played with pencils and paper, colorful plastic dice, and FaceTime on their iPhones. They play D&D with kids all over the country. That's wonderful and amazing. And later today, our own Brian Doyle is going to don the mantle of Dungeon Master for a brand new band of UUSG youth group adventurers. What happens happens next is unknown. But I can tell you this, there will be mayhem. There will be mystery. There will be monsters. And at some point, 
one by one, they're going to pick up a 20-sided die and you'll hear the dreaded words, roll or initiative. 47 years ago, two gamers concocted a new kind of game, something to bring people together, something to get them out of the ordinary and to a place where they could do and be and become something extraordinary, even if for a little while. A hero factory built to try on bravery, to practice it, to make it their own. And given the news of the day, and given our isolation in an ongoing epidemic, a pandemic, a little hero factory sounds pretty tempting. I'm, tempt I'm reminded of my own childhood 40 years ago, laid up in traction, looking for something, anything to do. And I'm reminded of a poem by Lord Tennyson, who calls us whatever our age to adventure. Maybe you've heard that poem. It's one of my favorites. It ends like this. Come, my friends, tis not too late to seek a newer world. Push off and sitting well in order, smite the sounding furrows. For my purpose holds to sail beyond the sunset and the baths of all the western stars until I die. It may be that the gulfs will wash us down. It may be... We shall touch the happy isles and see the great Achilles whom we knew. Though much is taken, much abides. And though we are not now that strength which in old days moved heaven and earth, that which we are, we are. One equal temper of heroic hearts, made weak by time and fate, but strong in will to seek, to strive to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. May it ever be so. Thank you for listening. You are always welcome to join the Unitarian Universalist Society of Geneva every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Come as you are. We look forward to meeting you. Visit us at uusg.org for more information about us, our worship services, and where you can find us on social media. Hope to see you soon.